Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live, a show about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. This season features the Ruckus Makers Roundtables, conversations about questions that matter with friends and fellow travelers from Forward Link, an alumni community of Seth Godin's Alt-MBA and Akimbo Workshops. I'm your host, Scott Perry, Chief Difference Maker at Creative On Purpose and author of Endeavor. I'm an Alt-MBA 6 alum and the head coach, I'm sorry, on the head coach team for Akimbo Workshops. Learn more about me and my work at creativeonpurpose.com. Today, I'm joined by Mark Modesti and Dustin Steger to explore how to transform obstacles into opportunities. So Mark and Dustin, before we dive into the discussion, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Who are you? Which programs were you a student in? What are you up to these days? And where can people go to learn more about you? Mark, first. Mark Modesti, I am a proud and grateful graduate of Alt-MBA 26. It was a game changer for me. Currently, I am helping... I'm a co-founder of a digital marketing company, and right now my latest endeavor is to get proficient at copywriting. Um, you can find me Twitter, Facebook, all those places. If you Google my name, you'll you'll find me at, at all those places. But uh, I've also got a site, markmodesti.com, and playing with the generous troublemaker moniker over there. Fantastic. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, hi, I'm Dustin Steger. And I'm actually all MBA 13, uh, so it's been a little bit of time since uh, since we've done that. But done a couple of other Kimbo workshops as well. So I try to stay in touch with that. Um, and what I'm currently my current endeavor is uh, that I've got a background in marketing, traditional marketing, and done a lot of digital marketing, and also uh, am speaking about and writing about uh, workplace creativity and helping companies with improving and expanding uh, the creativity and innovation within their workplace culture as well. And you can find me at thepeoplebrand.com. Fantastic. Well, let's dive into our discussion today. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss how to transform obstacles into opportunities. Mark, I'm going to let you take the first swing and kick us off. Yeah, I love this topic. It was almost a no-brainer for me, Scott, as you probably would have guessed, um, had the experience of doing a TED Talk on the argument for trouble and uh, making the assertion that trouble is a friend and we tend to treat it as an enemy. And uh, it's, it, I just think it ties in beautifully with this idea of turning obstacles into opportunities. Uh, Dustin and I had a great conversation the other day. and. Uh, We'll get into some of that, but uh, I think we started off talking about how this is the goal setting season mm. and we we choose our goals and we're not always as cognizant of the fact that we choose obstacles when we choose goals. <laughs> That's really, really brilliant. You, uh, you and I had a little interaction about it, um, Scott, where I was, I had posted that I did my goal setting backwards this year. And I just started by stating, writing down all of the perceived obstacles that are in my face. And that was a really interesting exercise because as we'll probably get into, there's there's opportunities hiding behind those obstacles. Yeah, exactly. How about you, Dustin? Yeah, so you know, as, as Mark and I were talking about this and talking about turning obstacles 
into opportunities. You know, I try to think about what are some really good examples of that. And it made me think about uh, a story that I heard many years ago uh, from a gentleman named Jim Stovall. And this is when I was in Tulsa and he's from the Tulsa area as well. And Jim was a, he was actually an Olympic athlete. And shortly after that, he was struck with blindness. And, you know, here you got this guy that was just physically fit. He was a specimen, right? And then when he got struck with blindness, it's like it took all that away from him. And he felt very incapable of even just taking care of himself, uh, going out into the world and doing just daily things that he was used to doing. And it, he felt like it really stripped away a lot of his dignity at the time uh, as he allowed it to do so. And he became a bit of a social recluse and would just stay at home and try not to go out. You know, he said he didn't even like going out to, to get his mail and bring it back into the house. So he's just staying at home. He's kind of feeling sorry for himself and uh, didn't really have much to do. He didn't feel like he could do much of anything. And so he just started um, turning on the television and realized that even that was really frustrating for him because these television shows, he couldn't see what was happening. And the audio wouldn't give him all of the cues that he needed to really understand what was going on in the program. And he started thinking, you know, somebody should do something about that. Somebody should narrate these TV shows so that people with um, visual impairments can actually enjoy them. And out of that, he became impressed. Maybe that person should be me. Mm. And he started what was called the um, Narrative Television Network and was basically available to all these different homes and was able to reach you know across, across the nation, helping people who are visually impaired enjoy television programs. And all of that came out of when you think about, you know, an obstacle, that's a huge obstacle for somebody to overcome, blindness. But in the end, for, for Jim, it became an enormous opportunity. It became the, the biggest opportunity of his life and how you really shaped his life out of that. And so one of the things that Mark and I talked about was, you know, the obstacle and opportunity, they're tied together, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you see as an obstacle can create, you know, the biggest opportunity of your life if you allow it to, if you actually, if you don't run away from it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, there's, there, there's a Ted talk I watched and I can't remember all the names that were cited, but um, he was talk, talked to, for instance, the, the guy that got kicked out of the Beatles and he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him. You know, and Steve Jobs says the best thing that ever happened to him was uh, you know, losing his position at, at, at his own company. Um, and he cited off example after example. And so what I'm getting from both of you is this idea that, you know, perspective really makes a difference in, you know, how are we framing what we're calling for now an obstacle? How are we, you know, what is the definition of an obstacle and what sets it apart from an opportunity? What I'm wondering is, you know, many of us do look back on what we perceived as obstacles before, but turn them into opportunities or use them as opportunities to, to make something beneficial happen for ourselves and the people that we care about. I'm just wondering about how we might use perspective or defining our terms in a way that lets us kind of shorten the gap between this was a problem, but now everything is okay to this actually isn't a problem at all. This is actually something that if I lean into it just right, something really great might come come from that. What is the role of perspective when you're looking at the challenges and obstacles in your way? 
Yeah, I think I think that's a great point, and uh, it, it's a huge part of you know the story that we we tell ourselves, right? And how we frame that story. And I remember uh, there was a um, a a, a person that had a counseling ministry and he was talking about how in life that uh, we want to eliminate all of these valleys that we go through and the challenges. And we're like, it seems like when you think of what would be utopia, what would be ideal, right? That we think that it is eliminating all of that friction that is mm. created by the challenges and the struggles that we have. And his argument was that um, you know, that if you do that, then you're flattening out your life. And it's like, when you flatten out the valleys, you flatten out the peaks at the same time. Right. And he said that, uh, you know, life is like a heart monitor. And the last thing that you want to see on a heart, mo- heart monitor, <laughs> right. Is a flat line. You know, you don't want to see that, 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 that means death. Right. And the same thing in life is like, if we try to iron out our lives and we try to eliminate the the challenges and the obstacles that are in our lives, then you know we are we are basically taking life out of out of our life, mm-hmm. and and we're killing it, right? And if we if instead we see that you know it's the heartbeat of life, is that there are these valleys and there are these peaks, and that by um, going through those challenges, we can actually create momentum that pushes us over the next peak, right? Nice. So I think they're, yeah, having that perspective instead of seeing it as something that's bad or something that's negative, then seeing it as, hey, it's something that can actually create something positive in our lives, help us create momentum. Yeah, and I, as I listen to you, Dustin, I'm thinking about the role of tension and how tension, our first reaction is that we tend to shy away or we tend to pull back and that that's that's part of the challenge um, of the obstacle is to say okay it's okay to feel the tension what is this obstacle for you know what is it what is it trying to tell me and and that's one of the things that I try to ask about even crises that seem senseless there's something there that it that it's for at least I always try to look at it that way and and the sooner I can get there rather than oh my gosh get me out of here the better I can start to embrace the opportunity that's behind the obstacle. I love the the, the point that there's a there's a Viktor Frankl quote that leaps to mind uh, about about what Mark was just talking about. What man actually needs is not a tensionless state, but rather the striving and struggling for some goal that's worthy of him, um, and that you can't. Work that's worth it has to have challenges. And it's what makes, it's actually those obstacles and challenges that make the work worth it and make it so that it's not for everyone, Uh, you know, which is, you know, if everybody (laughs) could do something, what would be the point of of doing it? If, If it wasn't challenging, what would be the point of giving it you know, your best efforts and donating your time and talents to it. But there has to be, in the moment, when we are hit with misfortune, when an obstacle that we didn't anticipate appears, 
you know, when things go sideways, there has to be a way to, there has to be a way to pause and hold that situation out away from yourself in order to, to provide that reframe and that perspective that says, well, you know, number one, like what's really going on here is it as terrible as everybody is saying it is. And number two, if I look at it from this angle, this angle, or this angle, is there a way around through or past this, or is there actually something here that can be flipped and, and turned into uh, an opportunity? Do you guys have any thoughts on strategies or, or um, just, you know, tricks or, or hacks that you have for not going down the path of, you know, outrage and overwhelm and instead trying to look at things through a little bit, you know, more steady eye. Yeah. It makes me think of like, there's a, a gentleman, Dr. Henry Cloud, and uh, he's famous for a book called Boundaries. He wrote a book called Boundaries for Leaders. And one of the things he talks about is the death spiral of, of leadership, right? And within that, he says, we begin to think that things are um, personal, like this bad thing that's happening right now is happening because of me. And it's, it's all part of my identity. We identify with the negative things that are happening. We attach ourselves to it. Uh, that it is pervasive. And that means like everything that I do is bad. You know, this, this one thing that's bad just is an indicator of how everything I do is bad. And so it's everything. And mm -hmm. then it's permanent. So it's personal, pervasive, and permanent. It's never going to change. And that mindset is a death spiral that, that prevents us from overcoming those obstacles. But if you can untangle that, and realize that number one, no, it's not personal. You know, that th these are things that a lot of different people struggle with. I've also done, you know, start thinking back to successes that you've had and realizing that there are some good things that you've done and that your identity is a mixture of all these things. It's not all negative, it's not all positive, but then also that it's not pervasive, that there are things that you've done that are successful, that are good um, and that are positive. And then also that it's not permanent, that just because even in this one specific area that you're, you're encountering these struggles, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be mm -hmm. struggling with that. And he said, that's how leaders overcome, basically. And I think that's a great framework for overcoming obstacles in our lives. You know, I, I'm one of the things I've found very powerful, and I love that example. It's kind of a, an element of perspective, right? Um, one of the ways that I've found helpful in gaining perspective is to, um, it's it's has to do with courage, but it's making an assertion. Um, so I am learning to copyright, and and it's a tricky art, and it's very interesting to me, and it's intriguing. But I'm in the learning phase where the obstacle is, I don't know how. And so one of the things I've found helpful is, and it's right here, I've got a note on my wall, so I see it. It's above the computer all the time. <laughs> I am a copywriter. And it's like I've instigated this argument with myself because there's a part of me that's saying, okay, well, where's the check for your most recent beautiful piece of copywriting? No, I don't have that yet, but I'm writing copy and I'm doing it every day. And so see that? I wrote that copy today. I'm a copywriter. 
And I think it's having that courage to assert and maybe begin that argument can be really helpful. But it, it, it also means having courage to say, to go where I don't know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, so the, the two things that I'm hearing, I love what Dustin said about kind of agency, like owning that this, you know, owning the problem, but not being defined by the problem and, and being in charge of your process for overcoming, you know, the, the, the obstacle or, or the misfortune ahead of you. And then Mark, your point about, you know, what you were just sharing is basically Seth sums it up in acting as if, uh, you know, to you, you act as if you can do something before you can actually do it. That's how you learn to do it. What's really important, I think, with both of those things that you you each um, highlighted is that these are like verbs. These are actions. Like you, agency is the act of ownership. Doing the work that's worth doing is an action. You can't think your way or learn your way out of a situation. It will become an opportunity. If it's if it's an obstacle, it will become an opportunity by, you know, obviously being a little bit thoughtful and deliberate at first. But at some point, you have to do something with the situation that you're talking about. I'd like to, at the very beginning, I think Mark, you 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 brought up goals, and I think that that's worth um, weaving into the discussion because, you know, we obviously have an aim. And, and when when something gets in the way of our aim, we say, well, it's it's an obstacle. It's it's in my way. Um, so what are some strategies or uh, concepts that you think about when you're deciding, you know, what am I aiming at and what happens when the unexpected gets in the way? So I hope it's not too big a leap here, but one of the things that has helped me tremendously with that, and one of the reasons when you asked, you know, who I would like to have join me on this conversation was, I thought of Dustin, is finding the others. Um, there's so much strength in that. And it's, it's perspective, which is huge. It's the encouragement of another um, that can be really powerful because what's what's an obstacle for me is not necessarily an obstacle for Dustin if he's been there and done that. And I feel like that may be one of the biggest challenges for folks that struggle a lot with goals. Either they don't go public with them or they don't take them with them and and go public in a sense with someone who can help if nothing else, just to provide additional perspective, but often it's so much more, and this is where mentoring and, you know, we get into a lot of different elements of that, but um, that was probably one of the biggest takeaways for me of Alt MBA was the power of a diverse set of strangers <laughs> in helping me see myself so much more clearly. Um, mm. it, it's so powerful. I, I feel like it's the secret weapon so to speak, for uh, folks like us. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would probably go um, like to, to build on that, go back to what you were talking about earlier, Scott, which is kind of having that agency that we have, right. And, and recognizing the agency that we have in uh, pursuing our goals and objectives. And it made me think about how whenever I was early in my career, I was a uh, marketing director for a startup telecom company. And, you know, at the beginning, it was we we're creating all this stuff kind of from the ground up. And it was really exciting. And I was learning so much and I was growing, you know, every day, it felt like. And after the company started to mature after several years, it became more of a doing the same thing every day, uh, started to become very redundant for me. And I realized, like, I started getting frustrated because I felt like I wasn't growing and I would try to challenge some things and felt like I was getting shut down. And I was complaining to somebody about this and kind of voicing my frustration. And, and this other, other employee just kind of said, yeah, you know, but if we, if we keep our head down and we do a good job, then the owner of the company is going to take care of us. And I remember two things really thinking, one, I don't know that that's true, you know, that somebody else is just going to take care of us out of their own, um, you know, just goodwill or, or whatever. Uh, then the number two, uh, that I just couldn't buy into that mentality of I'm going to ride somebody else's coattails. I'm going to rest on someone else's success and let them kind of carry me through life. And I made a change, you know, I, I made a decisive change at that point and launched out into something new, uh, a new, a new endeavor and partnered with somebody in the company. And I, you know, started back and, you know, it was like, oh, it breathed life into me. And all of a sudden I was once again, you know, challenging myself and growing and learning and revitalized mm-hmm. by that. But I, you know, it is, it is a choice that we make. And there's this great, you guys have probably seen it. There's this great video out there of uh, these two business people that are in an, in an office building and they're going up an escalator, right? And they get to a certain point and this loud noise happens and escalator just kind of shuts down. And now they're just in the middle of these two floors. And you think, well, you know, of course, they're just going to start walking up the ele- escalator, right? But they don't. They Instead, they start yelling for help, right? You've probably seen this. They, they yell for help instead. And it kind of plays out. And it seems very ridiculous. But there are so many times that we do that, right? Where it's, you know, we just expect that circumstances, society, you know, these pre-subscribed pre, uh, plans that are going to just kind of carry us from point A to point B instead of our own ability that, yeah, you know, if that breaks down, then I can just take the next step. I take the next step toward my goal and move forward, right? And we have agency and the ability to do it. It's, it's within each one of us. There's so much ability within us and there's power in, you know, connecting with the others but at the same time, don't expect them to carry you. They might poke and prod you and give you new perspective and all that. But, you know, we're not going to be, you know, you can take that prescribed path that somebody else lays out there. But number one, it may not get you there. And once you get there, you may realize that was their goal, not mine. Yeah, really great point. I love the, like Mark, one of the biggest lessons for me in the Alta MBA, I always thought that I didn't play well with others. So I've, I've been a solo musician most of my life and, you know, self-employed most of my life. My attitude was, if you're going to work for a jerk, you might as well work for yourself. <laughs> and uh, Alta MBA taught me not only 
could I play well with others, but working with other people who saw things differently than I saw them helped me get better at what I wanted to do and that I could provide perspective. And that's, that's the beauty of all of the workshops that we've been through is that we are all superstars at helping somebody else see what they can't see, helping them see the obstacle that they don't see. And then we really are terrible at it when we're trying to do it for ourselves, which is why we need that kind of collaborative um, give and take. And I, I, I really like what you were saying, Dustin, about, um, you know, the, just the continuing um, the agency theme and, and recognizing that there are always choices. You, you can always, you know, and, and if you pay attention and to the choices and you have make those choices in service of some sort of greater goal, then you will make better choices. My thought around the goal, one of the things that, that came up for me in this past year with goal setting is not dislike what Mark was saying about assertions. I mean, an assertion is something that you believe to be true and you state as a truth so that it can be challenged in pursuit of a truer truth, a better truth, or letting go of a bad belief, right? And with goals, so often what I have noticed is people that are chasing big, bold, audacious goals, like I want to go to law school, I want to go to med school, I want to um, you know, do this, that, or the other. They, because it's such a long-term big goal, they put blinders on and they just kind of grind themselves toward that point on the horizon. They get there and then suddenly they realize, I don't really like being a lawyer. I don't really want to be a doctor. Um, and then the self-sunk cost argument comes up. You know, what are you going to do with all that money you, and time you spent? You might as well just gut it out, right? So for me, the goal setting became very... Um, I, I, I thought about more about like the vision of the world that I wanted to live in and that I wanted to help lead others to, or, you know, work with and for people to get there. And once I had that defined as my goal that I would never reach, then I could set much more short-term goals that are leading me in that direction, but also afford me the opportunity to pay attention when an opportunity comes across that I couldn't possibly have anticipated or a misfortune happened that I couldn't possibly have anticipated. Um, and then, you know, so maybe there, I don't end up exactly where I intend, uh, but I always end up somewhere really good because I know who I am and what I'm here for. Um, does it have to be coaching? Yeah. Does it have to be teaching? Does it have to be guitar playing? You know, I can change right. what I do, um, you know, along, along those lines. Any, yeah. So the, there's something else. Uh, we, we touched on assertions, which I, I wanted to, to touch on um, a little bit more, but I want to get to the, um, this other point that's come up as I've been listening to you both, uh, which is the status quo which to me is the biggest obstacle of all. We are creatures that love to know where we stand and what's expected. And when I was hearing you talk, Dustin, about the kind of person that you are, you know, you, you're one of the rare ones that doesn't want to just settle. Like, just let things go because everything is mostly okay. Or worse, 
people are even happy to stay in really bad situations because the thinking is, well, it could get worse instead of thinking, oh, I could do something to make this better. So the status quo is like, it's, it's not, I don't consider it the enemy, but it's definitely in the way of getting us to develop ourselves and deliver on our promise and potential. So how do you, how do you both think about, you know, what is and what you would like, like to be, uh, and, and what are your, your strategies for, for handling the, the status quo, which is very good at winning almost all the time. I love that. And I love, um, that, we, the status quo is like, has this remarkable ability to blind us to opportunity. And, and we've talked for the majority of our time so far about obstacles, and we haven't talked much about op- opportunity. And I think this is because of the nature of who we are as humans. There's this term called nega certitude. And I, I, I can't figure out where I found it. I, I keep looking and I, I wish someone, if somebody knows, please tell me where I found that word. But <laughs> It's like we tend to gravitate toward the the problems, and the opportunity is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, even in events that seem debilitating, there's opportunity, and there are things that are possible. You know, for example, a loved one becomes very ill, physically or mentally ill, and you have to grapple with it. You have to deal with it. Um, Things are possible that weren't possible before. You can you have the opportunity to grow closer. And, and I've experienced this. I've drawn much closer to someone in the pain and difficulty than I would have without it. It's like things had to get worse to get better. But my point of that, all that is, is the opportunity is everywhere. And I have so many conversations with people that are uh, great conversations with people that are kind of feeling stuck in the corporate life. And, and one of the great Revelations for me in 32 years with corporate is that you don't have to look far in any organization to find things that can be better. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to wait for permission to try to make them better. And once you make that decision and you take that first step, you you take on that project, all of a sudden there's a world of opportunity where before there was just this problem of stuckness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing about, um, you know, the idea of, you know, I, I love your refocus right now, Mark, of moving, you know, focusing on the opportunity and even the obstacles themselves, right? That think about anything that is a product or a service that is offered to us right now and tell me one that doesn't overcome an obstacle, mm-hmm. right? that that's basically what our economy is built on are all of these solutions to overcoming whatever obstacle it is. If you can help somebody else overcome an obstacle in their lives, there's huge opportunity for that right now. That that is, if you, and if you can't take whatever it is that you're wanting to do or that you're currently doing and frame it as helping somebody else overcome an obstacle, I would, hazard to guess that you're going to, you're going to struggle, right? Because the value that we create comes from overcoming obstacles. So even the obstacle itself is like, it just is an opportunity, 
basically. And so just like Jim Stovall, you know, I talked about earlier, like his obstacle became an opportunity in helping other people overcome that same obstacle. And so one of the things that Mark and I talked about is that the obstacle and the opportunity, they are intrinsically tied together. That Mm -hmm. when you see that opportunity, you know, there's going to be, if you're going to be really honest with yourself, you have to be honest in that with sober judgment that there's going to be obstacles to overcome to get to that opportunity. But vice versa is that every time you see an obstacle, you can ask yourself, okay, where's the opportunity here? Mm -hmm. Because it is there. Yeah, definitely two sides of the same coin, for sure. One of the things that uh, came up early on in my career as a coach was someone who said, you know, that all, that all sounds good, Scott, the obstacle can become the opportunity, but what happens when it can't? And, and there are true calamities, disasters that, you know, it is very, very challenging to find um, the silver lining or the opportunity in. But the, the, the answer that I came to was that even in those moments when there's no win to be had, you still have the opportunity to cultivate the things that are really important, speaking to Dustin's point about what it means to be human and happy. You have the opportunity to cultivate patience and acceptance and humility and resilience, you know, and, and all sorts of, you know, the, the, the highest virtues and, um, and turning obstacles into opportunities is not a, a game that you win all day long (laughs) and you shouldn't expect it to be so. And that was, um, that kind of leads me to uh, uh, something I jotted down earlier and I can't remember what it came out as a result of, I think it was something that Mark said, but you know, the first, the first step in this reframe that we were talking about at the beginning is you have to accept that this is, this is what's happening. This is the situation. This is who I am. This is what's going on. And I don't like it, <laughs> but it's, this is what's happening. Um, strategies for, for cultivating that kind of sense of uh, acceptance so that you can then engineer a solution or find the opportunity. Dustin, I love your story about going to the event where Seth just took questions, random questions from people about problems, challenges they're having, and then guided them. And I, I suspect part of that process was that he was saying, uh, what you think is a problem isn't really the real problem. And Scott, you mentioned one of my favorite books, and it's an annual read, and you reminded me I've got to pick it up. Um, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor mm-hmm. Frankel. Talk about a situation where someone says, if someone were to say, what's the real problem? I'm in a concentration camp. Uh, they took away my life's work. I've lost my family. What do you mean, what's the real problem? And the real problem to him was meaning. Mm-hmm. How do we make this? We won't survive if we don't find meaning. And I think that's that's one of the first questions to ask when the, when the terror strikes. <laughs> What's the real problem? Often the real problem is I'm afraid. And, and then the next one is, um, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily the, the crisis that's the problem. It's the fear that I have. It's what the crisis is pointing me to. 
It's what make it's making me see about myself. For example, I, I want to have a tough conversation. It's not the words that's the problem. It's not the conversation. It's my motives and how they're at odds with the other person's motives and the emotion and all of those things is the real problem that I'm trying to come to grips with. So I think that's a great upfront uh, tactic is to say, what's the real problem here? What's the real trouble? Yeah, that's great. Great. And I think, um, you know, as you guys were talking about it, it's this realization and there might be somebody that's listening to us talk about this right now. And they're in the middle of something that's like really, really difficult and is weighing them down. And I mean, who knows what life circumstances they could be in right now. And I don't want to say, I don't want to try to paint a silver lining and say, well, there's, you know, there's always something good that you can latch onto and try to point toward that. And I think what we need in those situations is that we do need, like you talked about, Mark, we need, we need the others. We need people that are with us that maybe they haven't been through the same challenges that we're going through, but they're willing to sit with us in the midst of that and walk with us through that. And to know that you're not alone, um, that there are other people who love you and that aren't going to, you know, try to paint that silver lining. And they actually have empathy for, for where you're, you're at. And they understand how, how challenging those struggles are and maybe can help you, come to a point that you realize that, yeah, maybe it's not all going to turn out the way that you hoped it turned out, but that you're going to be okay. And that doesn't mean that it's all going to turn into, you know, um, peaches and cream, but that whatever does end up happening, you will be okay with that. You will be okay. Yeah. I, um, man's search for meaning is a regular read of mine. Uh, and Victor Frankl is one of just my absolute heroes. And um, what I learned at an early age from his work was where does purpose and passion really come from? Where does meaning come from? Because we think it comes from, you know, the, the doctor thinks that, that it comes from saving lives. So he goes to med school to become a doctor. The lawyer thinks it comes from um, pursuing justice. So he goes to law school. Uh, but it's very, very rare. That, well, it's possible that any work does not have intrinsic within it purpose and passion. That's not what the work is for. The work is for us to generate purpose and passion by with the posture and the mindset that we approach the task at hand. So purpose and passion can come from the conversation I have, you know, as a father with my kids, it can come from a discussion I have with the student in the lesson studio. It can come from just doing the damn dishes. I mean, it's about how you're approaching the, the, the task at hand that's right ahead of you. Uh, and then Dustin, you're starting to lead us into the direction I was hoping to go next, which is the role of uh, the role of empathy and maybe even the greater step. For me, empathy is, is very important. It's one of the, so just quick anecdote, when I took TMS one as a student, the marketing seminar, the whole beginning of that course is about empathy. And of course, everybody knows what empathy is, right? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, people would say what they thought empathy was. I said, that doesn't sound right. 
I went through that entire 100-day, 200-day course, and I still didn't have a grip on what empathy was. My wife and I spent a year talking about this before I finally felt like, you know, I, w- I don't have a full understanding, but I think I can at least start practicing a little bit more now. And so the empathy piece is really hard and it's a really necessary step. But to me, it's it's the step that happens before the even more difficult challenge, which you were touching on, Dustin, which is the step into compassion. So empathy is the ability to see, hear, and understand somebody else, somebody else's situation. We usually think of it as their pain but or suffering, but it can it's equally challenging to empathize with somebody that's having a really great moment that you're not having. <laughs> um but the, the greater leap is that you have the concern and the ability to do something with and for that person to lead them to a, a, a better place. So other thoughts on the, 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 the empathy piece and where that kind of plays in our pursuit of turning obstacles into opportunities. Well, as Dustin spoke about the, the deep, dark um, moments, it was one of the things I was thinking of is it's it's also an opportunity to be there for others. Um, and that's that can be difficult because when it happens, it feels like it's happening to me, but sometimes it's happening to all of us in the room, in the family, in the company, in the group. And I love to see here, understand of empathy and how the, the next step is another leap is doing my best to understand how they're feeling but how can i be there for them um and that's the compassion you know and it's counterintuitive when you're feeling the pressure um to to gravitate toward how can i be here for the others how can i be the one who doesn't break down when the situation breaks down for the others Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, like you're kind of hitting on Mark. There's this when you're when you're facing a challenge, it's really easy to become myopic, right? Where we just have this tunnel vision on focusing on our problems, which in a way we're just focusing on ourselves. And I think by trying to insert acts of generosity into our lives where we can generously give to others. And we, you know, a couple of things is it, it gives us a greater sense of purpose that you were talking about, Scott. And the other thing is it gets us outside of our own issues that we're just totally completely focused on. It's like a, you know, what happens when um, I, I was talking to a police officer and he was talking about the, the challenge with drunk driving is that when people become inebriated, and they're driving and they see another car coming that a lot of these head on collisions happen because they see those headlights and they just go toward what they're looking at. Right. And, and so much of that relates to our lives as well, that, you know, we're going to move toward whatever it is that we're looking at. When you're riding a bicycle and somebody says, don't run into that tree, you start staring at the tree and that's inevitably what you end up hitting. Right. So focusing on our own problems actually becomes a greater issue. And by helping others, by having that empathy and that compassion to take action, to do something for others where you will have to be generous in order to do that. Um, you know, it just is a, it's a principle of the universe that just by giving out, we end up receiving 
through that process as well. And it's ironic that when we focus on trying to get, 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 and focusing on ourselves, that ends up hurting us and digging a deeper, in deeper hole instead of doing what seems to be, um, you know, illogical at the time. It seems foolish. It's like in my greatest need, if I actually give in that moment, that's something that can pull me out of that hole that I'm in. Reminds me a little bit of the quote that of Zig Ziglar's that Seth references quite often, which is you can get everything you want if you help enough people get what they want. Um, and it, I love what you're both saying because you, you know, we have this capacity for generosity and we are so, social cr- creatures. I mean, we do not survive unless we are surrounded by others. We cannot, you know, no, no man is an island and all that. At the same time, we have this very selfish instinct to, you know, make sure that we take care of ourselves, um, you know, exclusively, or at least at the very least first. And, you know, just like wrestling with obstacles and opportunities, we have to, we have to have conversations with ourselves to get us to move toward our better angels and not just cave into our more selfish needs, wants, dreams, uh, and desires. And that has, uh, that, challenge is built into all of the workshops that we've participated in. You are surrounded by people, which means that you have to, what I love about that idea of, you know, serving, you know, when, when you're feeling overwhelmed or, or or experiencing some sort of pain, if you actually will go out and help somebody else, um, I mean, which is, very baked into to, to I think everything that that we all do. Um, you are that's the 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 easiest hack that I know of, and I think there's some scientific studies that I saw in the Harvard Journal of Medicine to to prove this. the The act of gratitude and generosity, those two things, are the quickest way to change your state of being, to change literally change your mind. You can go from depressed to joyful by simply practicing gratitude and generosity. So as we're winding down on our time together, maybe I I would love to just go around and have each of us share um, either a a final thought on this idea of obstacles or or opportunities, or or if you don't have a final thought, just a, a big aha or takeaway that came as a result of this, uh, of this conversation. Yeah. So, um, go ahead, Mark. No, after you. (laughs) It's very generous of you. Um, so one of the things that, you know, this makes me, uh, think about is the, um, you know, that they say, you know, nobody ever really wants to go to the movies and watch a movie about that guy that just, you know, sat around all day and avoided all the challenges and ended up doing nothing. And at the end of the movie, he's the same guy he was at the beginning. And what makes a really great movie is that the character encounters an obstacle and has to overcome the obstacle to get something of great value, right? And that's what makes a great movie. And I I know that we want our lives to be a great story as well. And I think the easiest, not, not necessarily the easiest way to do it, but the, the simplest way to do that is by recognizing, you know, 
what is there in my life that's of great value? And am I pursuing something of great value and deciding that it's worth overcoming the obstacles to achieve that goal? And I think that's what we can all strive for is to, to live, you know, to live out a great story in our lives. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> the uh, the thing I was thinking about is this dance with obstacle and opportunity is what makes the world go round. Um, you know, I we were talking the other day, Dustin, and I was saying how I heard somebody say that I go to ATM machines no matter what country I'm in, and it's a miracle. All these strangers are cooperating to help me be able to take my hundred bucks out of the ATM machine, and it's true. It's it's like it's this perpetual cycle and if nothing else being able to go through the obstacles and opportunities and and that enabling us to help help others with obstacles and opportunities is just it's it's what makes the world go around as you were talking um Dustin, I, I, I was reminded of Joseph Campbell's work with a hero's journey and that's you know right. we are all the stars of our own hero's journey but at the very end of the hero's journey, the hero always returns to the community with a gift and shares it with, with the others. And um, so that, that to me, you know, when you think about what is it all for, you know, I, I used to frame it as what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be happy? And how do, how do I do more of both? But the, the way the world is and the way the, that we as human beings treat the world, I'm trying to get a little bit less human centric and just thinking about what is a life well lived, a life not just for me and the people I care about, but, you know, and not just other human beings, but actually the entire, the entire planet uh, and all the sentient and insentient beings, you know, that are creatures that are, that are on it. I'll just share one last tip that circulated, um, quite a few times during our conversation. Uh, and it's a saying that supposedly comes from Viktor Frankl, but I've never seen any evidence of finding this in his writing or speeches. But the quote is, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is your power to choose your response. And in your response lies your growth and your freedom. So I leave everyone with that for the next time a perceived obstacle gets in your way that might be just an opportunity in disguise. Dustin, Mark, what a great way to kick off this uh, roundtable series. I uh, really appreciate both of you, not just the great work that you're doing out in the world and, and inside forward, like, but that you would be so generous with your time and, uh, and your wisdom here in the first Ruckus Makers Roundtable. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Scott.